Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Sherlock Holmes in The Sign of the Four, where Miss Mary Morstan arrive at 221B Baker Street to request help with the mystery of her missing father. With an anonymous gift of pearls and a letter requesting her to meet an unknown person that evening, Holmes takes on her case and the adventure begins. This will be a two-part series, so sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. You must not think me unfeeling. I think you are very kind and very troubled. If I can help... I... I do not believe so. If you should change your mind... Good night, Dr. Watson. Good night. The Sign of the Four by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Dramatised in two parts by Bert Cools with Clive Merrison as Sherlock Holmes and Michael Williams as Dr John Watson The Sign of the Four Part Two The Great Agra Treasure Miss Mary Morstan was at the centre of a wild and dark adventure the tale of a fabulous Indian treasure that had passed from hand to hand, leaving only death and misery in its wake. A quarter of a million in gold and jewels was rightfully hers, but the treasure chest was stolen and its last owner horribly murdered. Holmes and I were on the track of as curious a pair of villains as we'd ever encountered, and the thrill of the chase should have been in my heart, but my heart and my mind were elsewhere. My sympathies and my love had gone out to her. Yet, if the treasure were recovered, Mary Morstan would be a rich woman. And what right had a half-pay surgeon to look at an heiress? Such were my gloomy thoughts as I pursued my errand for Sherlock Holmes in the quiet, early morning streets of London. Hello? Hello! Go on, get out, you drunken wagabond! Uh, Mr. Sherman? So help me gracious, I've got a wiper in this bag, a poisonous wiper! It's a dog I've come about. Go on, or I'll drop the wiper on your head. All I want... I won't be argued with. Will I say three, down comes the wiper. One, if you'll just listen for a moment. Two terrible fangs he's got. I've come from Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, what? What? Well, why the devil didn't you say so? Yes, why the devil didn't I say so? 
A friend of Mr. Sherlock is always welcome, sir. Now, quiet, Alexander. Step, step in, sir. Step in, step in. Thank you. That's it. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Keep clear of the badger, sir. E boy. Oh, Sorry, sir. That was one of the stoats. <laughs> naughty, naughty. <laughs> Would you take a nip at the gentleman? <laughs> Here, oh, mind where you're stepping, if you please. Yeah, why? Because of the slow worm, sir. Slow worm? Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, it's all right. He's gone. <laughs> yeah, you can put your foot down now. I've come from... You've come from Mr. Sherlock. Yes, that's right. And what was it that Mr. Sherlock wanted, sir? A dog of yours. A dog? Ah, yes, that'd be Toby. Hello, Toby. (laughs) Ah, Toby has the finest nose in London, haven't you, boy? Yes. Is Inspector Jones still here? Uh, no, the official force have departed, um, save for one constable. Uh, Jones arrested not only friend Thaddeus, but also the housekeeper, the gatekeeper, and the Indian servant. Well, what about your description of the two men? Well, the worthy inspector regards me as a more fanciful spinner of fictions even than you. <laughs> well, Mr. Theorist, you can go off in search of your one-legged man and his accomplice. I've got the murderer right here. You see if I haven't. <laughs> And off the whole caravan went. (laughs) Now, are you game for a trudge? Certainly. Uh, Your leg will stand it. Oh, yes. Good man, good man. Uh, Toby, smell this, Toby. Oh, smell it. Mm, Creosote. From the broken jar at the site of the murder. Our diminutive friend with the pleasant habits left tar-stained footprints all across the roof. Yes, but enough should have stayed on his foot for Toby to track him for us. <laughs> Come on, doggy. Now, that's where he came down. Ah. Oh, what did I tell you? <laughs> Good boy. Come on, Watson. We've got them. <laughs> Holmes, will he really be able to follow their trail after all this time? Never doubt him, Watson. Go on, Toby. You see, not a falter. That's incredible. Ah, this trail makes it all too easy. It takes away any credit that might have been gained out of the case. Uh, There is credit and to spare. Well, then most of it should go to Toby. <laughs> I think Toby's just lost his reputation for infallibility. Oh, you can't deny he's traced some creosote. Yeah. <laughs> two dozen barrels of the stuff. A sawmill. Good dog. Well, he's acted according to his lights. Well, if you consider how much creosote is carted about London in one day, it's no great wonder that our trail should have been crossed. <laughs> Uh, poor Toby's not to blame. Ah, back at the corner of Knight's place, where he hesitated. Yes, that must be where he took the wrong path. Well, should be easy enough to pick up the right one. Uh, he'll probably take us straight to wherever these barrels come from. Now, really? Watson, you'll offend him. <laughs> Go on, boy! <laughs> Ah, we're out of luck. 
Trail leads down to the water's edge, then stops. <laughs> They've taken a boat from here. Oh, damn! You're sure this is the correct trail? Ah, yes. Didn't you notice how we kept on the pavement this time? Oh, this is it, all right. Mordecai Smith, boats to hire. Hmm. Ramshackle sort of place. A steam launch available. Yes, this begins to look bad. Well, these fellows are sharper than I expected. I'm afraid there's been preconcerted management here. Shall we ask if anyone remembers seeing them? Always the subtle approach. Hey, what? Oh, what do you suggest we do? Jack, where are you? You come here and be washed, you little brooch. Good morning. Oh, oh, good morning, gentlemen. What might you be wanting? I hope to speak to Mr. Smith. My man's not here, sir. But if it was about a boat, maybe I could serve as well. I wanted to hire his steam launch. Oh, why, bless you. It's in the steam launch that has gone off on some rush job in the middle of the night. But he can't have gone far, for there's not enough coal aboard to take him much past Woolwich and back. I particularly wanted the steam launch. Uh, I've heard good reports of her. The, um... She, what is it? The Aurora, sir. Uh, that's it. Uh, the old green launch, very broad in the beam. No, indeed. She's as trim a little thing as you'll see on the river. Fresh painted, too. Uh, black, with two red streaks. Ah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll inquire again for Mr. Smith. Sounds like just the boat for me. Will you be wanting her soon, sir? Fairly soon. Only someone else was asking after her a couple of days since. But not a gentleman like yourself. A nasty piece of work, if you ask me. Ugly face and outlandish talk. Oh, fair turn me up. I never could abide a peg leg. <laughs> It's the unofficial force. The Baker Street Irregulars. I tell you, you can't go in. It's all right, Mrs. Hudson. They're my guests. Oh, how many times do I have to ask you? Uh, Wiggins. Tension! Thank you. This used to be a respectable house. I got your message, sir, and I brought them on sharp. Yeah, so I see. Free Bob and a Tanner for tickets. Uh, here you are. Silence! Wiggins will sort it out later. Now, you're to look for the steam launch Aurora. Black with two red streaks, very trim, owner Mordecai Smith. He's along the river somewhere. Now, let me know the moment you've news. Is that clear? The Aurora. Yes, Governor. Everyone got that? The usual scale of pay and a guinea to the one who finds the boat. Uh, here's a day in advance. Huh? Now, off you go. Oh, God. Off you go, Well, come on. You won't know your money's name in here. If the launch is above water, they'll find her. I expect to hear something by this evening. There's no more we can do till then. Oh, Toby could eat those... Scraps, I dare say. Yes, if Mrs. Hudson hasn't already fed him to overflowing. I <laughs> <laughs> think I'll get some sleep. Are you going to bed? No, uh, I'm not tired. I have a curious constitution. I never remember feeling tired by work. You know, it's idleness that exhausts me completely. So what will you do? Oh, I'm going to smoke and think over this queer business. <laughs> You know, this hunt ought to be an easy task. I suppose wooden-legged men are not so common. 
And the other man must, I think, be absolutely unique. Hmm. Now, where would it be? Which one? Which one Tiny footmarks, naked feet, great agility, poison darts. A savage. Hmm. But here in London... Yes, evidently. This point of origin is of some relevance. Ah! Ah, yes, here it is. The Aborigines of the Andaman Islands. Austin and Sholto's posting. May perhaps claim the distinction of being the smallest race upon this earth. They're a fierce, morose and intractable people, though capable of forming most devoted friendships when their confidence has been gained. Mark that, Watson. Mm. Is there any more? Oh, yes. They have always been a terror to shipwreck crews, braining the survivors with their stone-headed clubs or shooting them with poisoned darts. <laughs> These massacres are invariably concluded by a cannibal feast. <laughs> nice, amiable people. Mary? What is it, Mrs Forrester? What's wrong? I'm worried about you, my dear. About me? There's no need. Are you sure you're all right? After all you went through yesterday? I'm perfectly all right. I'm a little tired, that's all. Yes, so am I. It was kind of you to wait up for me. Oh, that letter was so intriguing. I had to find out what happened. But in my wildest dreams, I never expected such a tale. No, nor I. What will happen next, I wonder? Dr Watson promised that he would let me know as soon as he had some news. Ah, so we can expect another visit from that young man. I rather thought we might... Mrs. Forrester. This time, Mary, do try to get him into the house. I want to see what he's like. What do you mean you can't find it? It ain't there. It has to be there. I'm sorry, Governor. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Wiggins. Keep up the search. Call back here any hour. Yes, sir. Yes, we must find her, Wiggins. We will, Miss Rams. Don't worry. Bye. Goodbye. Oh. Holmes? Ah, they can't find the launch. Can I do anything? I'm perfectly fresh now. I've had some sleep. No, no, we can only wait. I shall stay here in case of developments. Ah, I shall run over to Camberwell before dinner and call upon Mrs Forrester. Mrs Forrester? Well, on Miss Morstan, too. Ah, yes. She'll be anxious to hear what's happened. Well, I wouldn't tell her much. Women are never to be entirely trusted, not the best of them. That is an atrocious sentiment, and I've no intention of pausing to argue it with I you. I assure you that the most winning woman I ever knew was hanged for poisoning her three little children for their insurance I money. hardly think that's relevant in this case. I never make exceptions. An exception disproves the rule. Oh, you're impossible sometimes. Yes, I know. Now, if you're crossing the river, you may as well return Toby. Mm. And if you can still walk after Mrs Hudson's attentions. Very well. And Watson. Yes? Good luck. I held up the lantern, and there, in the dust, I could see them. The footprints of the second intruder. They were tiny. Tiny? Like a child's. But this was no child. Then what in the world? A pygmy. A cannibal pygmy. <gasps> 
Great heavens! I should have fainted clean away. There are pygmies on the Andaman Islands. My father used to speak of them. Yes, that's where we think he's from. And the other man, too. The man with the wooden leg? Holmes and I believe him to be Jonathan Small, whose name appears on that old document of Captain Morstan's. And now you have to find the two of them. Yes, for the moment they've given us the slip. But we know that they're planning to get away by boat. The Aurora. Oh, you're so clever to have worked all this out. It's not me, it's Holmes. I'm sure you are underestimating yourself, Dr Watson. (coughs) No, really, I mean it. You're very kind. So much depends on this search, Mary. Your fortune. I don't think you're nearly excited enough. Just imagine what it must be like to be so rich and have the world at your feet. It is for Mr Thaddeus Sholto that I am most anxious. He has behaved so kindly and so honourably... Dr. Watson, you and Mr. Holmes must clear him of this dreadful charge. We shall. Never fear. Do you know it's like a romance? A wronged lady, a treasure, a black cannibal and a wooden-legged villain. And two knights errant to the rescue. Ah! Good evening, Mrs. Hudson. Good evening, Doctor. Oh, dear. No callers? Not a one, sir. No news, then? No. And to speak truthfully, Doctor, I'm afraid for his health. He's been acting very strange. In what way? Walking up and down, never stopping, then talking to himself and shouting away like nobody's business. Now he's slammed off to his room. Mm, We've seen him like this before, Mrs Hudson. So long as he's not going to be ill again, I couldn't stand that, you know. I know. But I don't think he need worry. Not so long as he's involved in a case. And he knows my views on the subject now, too. Well, I pray God you're right. To be plain with you, Doctor, I don't think he realises how lucky he is having you here to look after him. Oh, Mrs Hudson. Yes. Well, have you had your dinner, sir? Uh, No, I haven't. What about Mr Holmes? I asked him what he wanted. To be left alone, he said, and not bothered with inessentials. (laughs) Inessentials, indeed. I'll have something ready for you in about 20 minutes, Doctor. I don't suppose we'll see Mr Holmes again before breakfast. Good morning. Yeah. What the devil are you looking for? My clay pipe. This is behind the clock, as usual. Don't be ridiculous. Ah! The coal scuttle. Yes, your powers of observation never cease to amaze me. I heard you marching about in the night. <clears throat> this infernal business is consuming me. You're locking yourself up, old man. Did you get any sleep at all? <sighs> it's too much to be balked by so petty an obstacle when we've come so far. And the men will launch everything, and yet I can get no news. Have some coffee. No, no, thank you. Is it possible that we've missed them? That they've already flown? No, no. They're still here. How can you be so sure? They're still here. But it will be soon, Watson. Oh, yeah. Soon. <clears throat> I'm going out. Oh, at least have something to eat first. Later. Now, I want you to open all notes and telegrams and to act on your own judgment if any news should come. Now, can I rely on you? Oh, of course you can. Yes. Ah, good. I don't know when I'll be back. Wow! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Hesha neat little craft Aye, she is that right enough. Yeah. Never had her like when I was on the river. Yeah, she's a pretty turn of speed, I dare say. <laughs> uh, what was she in for then? Well, repair to her rudder. Ah. <sighs> Looks all ship-shape to me. Me too. There ain't naught amiss with her rudder nor anything else. Waste of my time. And here's the cause of it. They can hear you in Greenwich, Smith. She's his, is she? Look at him. Don't deserve a craft like this. Criminal. Will she be ready? She's ready now, Smith. She's been ready these two days. Don't want her now. Eight o'clock tonight, Jacobson. And sharp, mind. I'm a gentleman who won't be kept waiting. (laughs) (sighs) Mrs. Forrester stared at her. Why, Mary, think of your fortune. Just imagine what it must be like to be so rich and have the world at your feet. It sent a thrill of joy to my heart to notice that she showed no sign of elation at the prospect. On the contrary, she gave a toss of her head as though the matter were one, in which she took small interest. Ah, good. Hello, who's that? Sorry, sir. Mr. Holmes is out. Well, uh, do you know what time he'll be back? I'm afraid not, sir. Inspector! Hmm? Good afternoon. It's all right, Mrs. Hudson. I know the gentleman. Come up. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you, Doctor. No, no, it's all right, madam. I believe I can find a way unaided. <laughs> I am a detective. <laughs> Good day, sir. Good day. Oh. Mr. Sherlock Holmes is out, I understand. Yes, and I can't be sure when he'll be back. But perhaps you care to wait. Come in. Oh, thank you. Take that chair. Try one of these cigars. Oh, thank you. I don't mind if I do. <laughs> and a whiskey and water? Well, uh, half a glass. Oh. It is very hot for the time of year, and uh, I've had a good deal to worry and try me. You know my theory about this Norwood case? I remember that you expressed one. Well, uh, I've been obliged to reconsider it. So, you no longer believe Thaddeus Sholto murdered his brother? No, thank you, Doctor. No, no, I don't. I had my net drawn tightly round him when, pop, he went through a hole in the middle. He had an alibi. An unshakable one. From the time that he left his brother's room, he was never once out of sight of someone or other. I've had to let him go. Good. Frankly, Inspector, I don't understand how you could ever have suspected him in the first place. Mm -hmm. The thought of Thaddeus Sholto climbing over the roof and through that skylight... Well, well, he's been eliminated now. And the old housekeeper, too. It's a very dark case. And to be candid with you, I should be glad of a little assistance. (laughs) My professional credit is at stake. We all need help sometimes. It's only a fool who's too proud to admit the fact. Very true, sir, very true. And your friend, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, is a wonderful man. He's a man who is not to be beat. Bit too quick in jumping to theories, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) The devil... Good Lord. What do you mean by this intrusion, my man? 
<laughs> Is one of you two Holmes? It's Mr. Holmes to the likes of you. Ah, not you. You don't look nothing like a detective. <laughs> Are you him? Huh? Well, uh, what exactly is the meaning of this? Ah, uh, you'll find out. Yeah. Come on, are you home, no, sir? I'm acting for him. You can give me any message. <laughs> Quickly now. <laughs> I know where the boat is, and the treasure and all. You know where the treasure is? I'm not talking to you. Now, see here, my good man. I suggest you keep a civil tongue in your head. This is Inspector Athelney Jones of Scotland Yard. Never heard of him. <laughs> I'll wait for Holmes. All right with you, whoever you are. Very well. No more of your rudeness. Do you understand? You can sit quietly in that corner. Yeah. <laughs> well, they say at the yard that Mr. Holmes gets a lot of his information from the lowest areas of society. So it's true, then, is it, Doctor? Well, mm, I understand. We all have our professional secrets. Still, however irregular he may be in his methods, I think he would have made a most promising police officer. And I don't care who knows it. A policeman? I must, must be flattered. Eh? <laughs> you rogue! <laughs> you would have made an actor and a rare one. You had the proper workhouse cough. Oh. And those weak legs of yours are worth ten pound a week. <laughs> and you? I thought I knew the glint in your eye. But why are you done up like that? Uh, the men who work on the river are a, a tight-lipped band. Oh, and they'll speak freely enough to one of their own. Then you really have found the boat. Yeah. Now, listen, Jones. Yes? I can give you your murderers, but it must be on my terms. What do you mean? Now, firstly, you're welcome to all the official credit, but you must put yourself and your men entirely under my orders. Is that agreed? If you can help me to the men... Then... I've just said that I can. Then I agree. Secondly, when we secure the men, we shall get the treasure. The box must not be touched until the doctor here has fetched the young lady to whom half of it rightfully belongs. Holmes... She must be the first to open it. Hey, Watson? It would be a great pleasure to me. Now, that's an extremely irregular proceeding. Well, if you'd rather continue on your own... Well, well, the whole thing is irregular. But afterwards, the treasure must be handed over to the authorities until the official investigation is concluded. Certainly, that's easily managed. And I agree. Now, how exactly do we proceed? Thirdly... Mr. Holmes... Thirdly... I should like to hear the remaining details about this matter from the lips of Jonathan Small himself, here, in my rooms. I have had no proof yet of the existence of this Jonathan Small. However, well, if you can catch him, I don't see how I can refuse you. Excellent. Are there any other conditions? Ah, not at the moment. <laughs> now, this is what I need. This is the fastest police launch on the river. Uh, is there anything to mark it as a police boat? Constable? Uh, yes, sir. The green lamp at the stern. Uh, then take it off. Well, go on, man. Yes, Inspector. Uh, that's better. Are you sure this is the fastest craft available? Well, so I'm assured. You didn't give me much in the way of notice. We shall have to catch the Aurora. She's the name for being a clipper. Where did you find her in the end? A boat isn't the easiest thing to conceal. Ah, I was a fool not to have thought of it earlier. Think, Watson. 
She had to be out of sight, but ready for departure with a minimum of preparation. Are boat builders or repairers? They have sheds and huts which open onto the water. Yes, exactly. Simple. It's the simple things which are extremely likely to be overlooked. How long did it take you to find the right one? Well, Jacobson's was the 16th repair yard I tried. There was the Aurora, and there was her owner, too. <laughs> Rather the worst for liquor. He obligingly provided me with Small's departure time. Eight o'clock tonight. It'll be full dark by then. Yes, but it's a clear night. We should be able to see easily. How powerful is that searchlight? Powerful enough. Yes, we're coming to Jacobson's yard. Did you bring the night glasses, Watson? Ah. Here. Thank you. <laughs> what can you make out? I have a boy stationed at the water's edge. He'll signal us when they arrive. Well, you've planned it all very neatly, whether they are the right men or not. But if the affair were in my hands, I should have had a body of officers in that yard and arrested them when they came down. Which would have been never. Ah, this man, Small, is a pretty shrewd fella. One whiff of the official force, and he'd have flown. What's that? Oh, it's the signal! So, they're in the yard! Uh, not no longer. Uh, there's the Aurora. Already underway! And going like the devil! Engineer! Full speed ahead! She's flying along! More speed! My heaven, I'll never forgive myself if she has the heels of us. I doubt if we'll catch her. We must catch her. Keep it on, Stuckers. If we burn the boat, we must have them. I think we're gaining a little. I'm sorry. Jones, get a man on that searchlight. No, no, I'll do it myself. Keep the light steady, Jones. There he is, a one-legged man. Jonathan Small. You're still making ground on them. Is that a dog he's got there? That's no dog. Watch him. Use this. By God! What? what? What the devil is it? Can't we go any faster? More steam! Stop! In the Queen's name! This is a police vessel! They heard you! He's burned down, Bethyware. Do you still think that's a dog, Jones? Give me those glasses. Have your gun ready, Watson. Mm. Look at that. And to think I didn't believe you, Mr. Holmes. Uh, there's no time for that now. What's going on there? Which small is huddled over something. It looks like a box. A treasure chest? Yes, it must be. What's he doing? Never mind him. And what are the creature? He's standing up. He's got some kind of pipe. Fire, Watson! <laughs> Little savage! Small! Give yourself up! Never! Now what's he doing? He's trying to take the rudder! They're fighting for control of the boat! Stop! In the name of the law! She's turning! We're going to wrap her! Oh, stop! By God, she's going aground! There goes Small! Pull into the bank! Let's get after him. But there's no hurry. He's got the treasure. I can't make it across the mud. Let him wear himself out. <laughs> ah, there. Damn you! Damn you to hell!
I wish I'd been there. It's very dangerous. And not pleasant. No, of course not. I'm very glad that you weren't hurt. Thank you. So, the treasure has truly been recovered at last. Yes. The great Agra treasure, small call it. I'm amazed that the police allowed it to be taken to your rooms. <laughs> Holmes is a very persuasive man. I can imagine. Think, Miss Morstan. Half of that treasure is yours. Hundreds of thousands of pounds. Isn't it wonderful? If I have it, I owe it to you. No, not to me. To Sherlock Holmes. To both of you. You have been so kind to me, and I have placed you in such horrible peril. I am so sorry. Oh, that's all over now. Miss Morstan? Yes? When we get to Baker Street, Jonathan Small will be there. He'll be under guard, of course, but even so... Dr. Watson, you're very kind to be concerned, but I shall have my knight's errand to protect me. How could I be afraid? Greetings, Miss Morstan. Ah, Watson. Hmm. Uh, come in, come in. Uh, I must apologise for the policeman in the hallway, Miss Morstan. Mrs Hudson will be quick to inform you this is usually a most respectable household. Good evening, Mr Holmes. I don't believe you know the eminent Inspector Athelny Jones of Scotland Yard, Miss Mary Morstan. Miss mm, Morstan? Inspector, I've been hearing all about you from Dr Watson. Oh, I told her how I captured the criminal, did you, Doctor? Something of the sort, yes. And how I recovered the treasure. <laughs> Be quiet, you. You must be Mr. Jonathan Small. Good evening, sir. You knew my father, I believe. I did, miss. And a fair and true-spoken gentleman he was. Pray take a seat, Miss Morstan. Mr. Small was about to enlighten us with his history. I give you my word on the book. But I never raised hand against young Bartholomew Sholto. We know it. Your diminutive accomplice shot him with his blowpipe as he came down the ladder from the secret room. You were still waiting below for the rope. <laughs> you seem to know as much about it as if you were there. As wild with little Tonga. But it was done and I couldn't undo it again. Now, if it had been old Major Sholto, I'd have swum for him with a light heart. But to be lagged for the sun is cursed hard. I had no quarrel with him. Now, look, just give us the facts, Maul, and let us make up our own minds on the matter. Here. Ah, thank you. Well, Mr Sherlock Holmes, if you want to hear my story, I've no wish to hold it back. I can see it's you I have to thank for these uh, bracelets. Just get on with it, Small. <laughs> when I was a lad, I got into a mess over a girl. I could only get out of it by taking the Queen's shilling and joining the third buffs, which was just setting out for India. I wasn't destined to do much soldiering, though. I was fool enough to go swimming in the Ganges, and a crocodile nipped my leg off for me. Neat as any surgeon could have done. With a shock in the infection, I was five months in hospital for it. And I emerged with this. Embellied out, and a cripple at twenty. Mm, Ganges is pure poison. You were lucky to have recovered at all. I know it. It's a strange thing. But despite what had happened, I liked India. I had some friends over there, so I stayed and got myself fixed up with a job. And then, without warning, the great mutiny was on us. One minute all India was still and peaceful as Surrey or Kent, 
But next, there were 200,000 black devils let loose. We all know our history, Small. Are you going to let me tell this my own way or not? Yeah. Carry on. Thank you, Mr. Holmes. I went for safety to the old fort at Agra. It was the nearest city still held by the British. Uh, it's a very queer old place, the fort. Full of deserted halls and winding passages and hundreds of rooms where nobody goes anymore. The city was swarming with every kind of fanatic and devil worshipper. But the fort was short-handed when it came to dependable men. Each gate was put into the charge of a white man and a couple of trustworthy natives. I had two Punjabis under my command. Good men they were too. Abdullah Khan and Mohammed Singh. We had the night watch at one of the quietest gates. It was generally peaceful enough. And I never got much in the way of conversation out of my men. So it was easy to let my attention drift. Too easy. What the devil? Nick, no sound. You treacherous. No sound. Or you will never draw breath again. Sing. Remove his rifle. Good. I will take my knife away now. Make no alarm if you wish to continue living. Ah. So, you are in league with the rebels after all. No, sir. We are loyal and the fort is safe. And what the devil do you think you're doing? Listen to me. You must either be with us now or you must be silenced forever. Which is it to be? How can I decide? I don't know what this is about. We ask you to be rich. Rich? Is that not why your countrymen came to this land? If you will join with us, you shall be rich. A quarter of the treasure shall be yours. What treasure? And why a quarter? There are only three of us. Our companion Dost Akbar must have his share. I have no objection to being rich. How do I know I can trust you? One quarter shall be yours, Jonathan Small. I swear it upon the naked knife and by the threefold oath. That's a powerful oath. One of the highest to seek and swear. Yes, I knew that well. It showed me how serious a matter this was. So you betrayed your own people, Small. No, I did no such thing. Is any more of that whiskey? Yes. Thank you. There we are. Thank you. I asked them again if the fort and the people in it were in any sort of danger. And again they said no. And I believed them. Are you with us? Yes, I'm with you. The three have become the four. But I'll do nothing until I know more details. There is a local Raja with much wealth. He has gone in with the rebels, but he is a careful man and trusts no one completely. Half of his treasure he plans to hide. Hide where? Here in this fort. What? If the white men are victorious, he can regain it. He has many friends here at Agra. And many who are not his friends. Are you saying that the treasure is here now? No. The Raja's trusted servant is due here this night. He brings it. This man we must kill. You said nothing of killing. Consider, Sahib. If this matter becomes known, the man will be hung or shot and the jewels taken by the government. Why should this be? When there is wealth enough there to make us rich men and great chiefs. Which gate will this man use? Dost Akbar travels with him. He will lead him here to us. Then we will do what must be done. They needed my help because they knew they'd never get the treasure inside the fort without someone somewhere turning a blind eye. You turned your blind eye to a murder. Yes, I did. And I've had to live with it. That's been punishment enough. Be 
It is finished. The body must not be found. A place has been prepared. Come, Jonathan Small. Come and see the treasure. Oh, the treasure. It was blinding to look on. The 143 diamonds of the first water, among them, the Great Mogul. The second largest stone in existence. <laughs> now, your Raja was wealthy indeed. I hope you've a trustworthy man with that box, Jones. <laughs> <laughs> then there were 97 emeralds, 170 rubies, 40 carbuncles, 210 sapphires, 61 agates. And there were gold and silver and pearls, pearls such as I'd never seen. The old Major must have had an eye for pearls. The finest set was missing when I recovered the chest. I suppose he sold them or gambled them away. No, Mr Small. His son, Thaddeus Sholto, sent them to me. You've got them? Good. That's very good. Very right. You are in no position to moralise, Small. Just get on with your story. You buried the treasure chest in one of the deserted parts of the old fort until the troubles were over and you could retrieve it without exciting comment. It seems to me you can tell this better than I can. You drew up a map showing its location. We had one each. One for each of the four. We swore in our lives that whichever one of us eventually recovered the hoard, he would seek out the other three and divide it equally. And that's how it's always been with me. I said I was with them, and I've stuck to my word. Everything I've done was for the four. And what went wrong? Oh, the body was found. We should have burned it. Agba said we should. And we were arrested. Three of us because we held the nearest gate, and Agba because he'd been travelling with the murdered man. Well, didn't the matter of the treasure come out of the trail? No. <laughs> the old Raja had long since been deposed by his rebel friends, and killed like as not, so it stayed where it was, safely buried. What was the outcome of the trial, Mr Small? Guilty, miss, all four of us. Penal servitude for life. At the prison colony in the Andaman Islands. Yeah, living stinking hell. Keep working! You there! Prisoner Small. Captain... You're coming with me. Guard? Sir? Unchain this prisoner. Sir? That was your father, miss. Captain Morstan. He saw me all right. More than I deserved, I dare say. But a white prisoner was a rarity. He got me a, a cushy job in the dispensary. And I was pretty much given the run of the place, so long as I behaved myself. I knew better than to queer that pitch. I knew when I was well off. I tried to get the captain to make things easier for the rest of the four, but it was more than he could risk. Major Sholto wouldn't have stood for it for a minute. Major Sholto was my father's friend. He was a hard man. Bitter. He and the captain were great ones for gaming. The prison officers and the guards were forever at cards or at dice. But old Sholto, <laughs> he never had the look. It's all up, Morstan. I shall have to send him a papers. I'm a ruined man. Nonsense. Look, I've had a nasty face on my myself or I'd help you out again, but your luck's due for a turn. Ride it out. I tell you, I'm ruined. What can I do? Well, perhaps I can put together a little... <coughs> Shorter? Who's there? Who's skulking in the shadows? It's me, Major. Jonathan Small. Now, what do you mean by spying on me, eh? Morstan, have this man whipped in the morning. Now, wait a minute, old chap. Small, what do you want? I know where there's half a million in jewels buried. 
What did you say? I think you heard me. Half a million in jewels and gold, and the rightful owner dead. Where? Where is it? Hold on, Shotter. Dead, you say? <laughs> it's anyone's for the taking. All's above board. Are you asking us to bargain with you? Bargain? With a damn prisoner? Well, if that's the way of it, Major, I'll be on my way. But wait. What sort of bargain? There's only one bargain a man in my position can make. Freedom for me and my three companions. And in return? We'll take the two of you into our partnership. A fifth share to divide between you. A fifth? Fifty thousand apiece. Easy. We can't just release you, Small. Or your friends. We have our superiors too, you know. And our oaths. I don't ask that. Leave a boat and some provisions in one of the coves and don't report us missing for a week after we've gone. That's all you need to sully your hands with. You. We'll do it for you, not the others. All or none. We've sworn it. We act as the four or not at all. We'll need some proof. You have our word. The word of a convicted killer and three black thugs. Hold down, Sholto. We must consider this. I have a daughter at home to support. You've two sons. Or do you want to resign your commission and go back to them in disgrace? He agreed, of course. We had another meeting the next night, the two officers and the four. We made them swear the vow, and I gave them each a copy of the map. I have my father's copy still. What? <laughs> I never thought to see that again. So the captain kept it safe all these years. He would have held to his word. Not like Sholto. Sholto betrayed you. He disappeared suddenly from the prison. He was the officer in charge. It must have been easy for him to arrange it. And pretty soon news came back to us that he'd gone straight to Agra and dug up the treasure. He wanted everything for himself. His oath meant nothing. And then he retired from the army and came back home to England. Yeah, and left us to rot. Did my father not help you? No, he wanted to. He was as furious at what had happened as the rest of us. But a new commanding officer replaced Sholto and the captain was helpless. And from that time on, I was wild for vengeance. To track down Sholto, to have my hands around his throat. That was my one thought. I escaped. You befriended the native pygmy. He was staunch and true, was little Tonga. A better man than Sholto for all his savagery. Yeah, he was brought into my dispensary near to death with a fever, and I managed to save him. <laughs> he fastened on to me. No man ever had a more faithful mate. He got me away, yeah, <laughs> in his fishing boat. And how did you get past the guards without a weapon? <laughs> without a weapon? A wooden leg makes a fine club, my friend, if you can balance upright long enough to use it. And Tonga had his darts and his blowpipe. Yes, we've seen the effects of that little toy. Well, I told you that was none of my doing. Look, let's get on with this. You got away from the island, and then what? Yeah, ten days we were beating about, trusting to look. And on the 11th... We were picked up by a trader with a cargo of Malay pilgrims. Malay pilgrims have one very good quality, Mr. Holmes. They let you alone and they don't ask questions. Uh, how long did it take you to get to England? Years. But I never lost sight of my purpose. I dream of Sholto at night. A hundred times I killed him in my sleep. And we got here. There was no great difficulty in finding where he lived. Clearly, you had an informant inside the household. I'm naming no names. I still have the gatekeeper and the Indian servant in custody. Oh, congratulations. You may actually have arrested a criminal for once. I had a word that Sholter was dying. I went round there, mad at the thought that he was going to escape my vengeance. But in a way, he didn't. 
The sight of your face at the window brought on the final crisis. Yes. <laughs> and don't think I didn't enjoy the thought of it. But I had to have the treasure. I broke in and searched for some clue to what he'd done with it, but there was nothing. I left him my calling card. The sign of the four. Yeah, so I know the truth of it. The treasure was still intact, hidden away somewhere. Sholto's sons were obligingly looking for it for me. So it was a waiting game. I scratched a living by showing little Tonga at fairs, the black cannibal. He'd eat raw meat and dance his war dance. You waited seven years. I'd have waited 70. But eventually word came it had been found. And I think you know the rest of it well enough. No, we do. So... Now, you know how badly I was served by that villain Sholto and how innocent I am of the death of his son. I swear that every word I've spoken has been God's own truth. A very remarkable account. And now I think we should see this great Agra treasure that has spilled so much blood and caused so much grief. Well, my sergeant is just outside. Don't you move a muscle, Small. Bring it in here, if you please, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Friend Small threw the key into the Thames, Miss Morstan. But a poker and some brute force will serve just as well. Here you are, Watson. The box is beautiful. It's a shame to damage it. Benara's metalwork. I should be able to force just the glass. Miss Morstan? Open it. This treasure has caused nothing but misery and death. No longer. Open it. Very well. <laughs> no, 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 this is no laughing matter. Where is it? What have you done with it? I'll put it where you'll never lay your thieving hands on it. No living man had any claim on that treasure save the last members of the four. And if we can't have it, then no one shall. It's at the bottom of the Thames with my poor Tonga. Then the treasure is lost forever. Forever. Thank God. Now, this is a very serious matter and it will go against you thwarting justice like this. Justice? What justice have I had? All my companions, justice. Well, Mr Holmes. Well, Inspector... You are a man to be humoured, there's no doubt. And we all know that you are a connoisseur of crime, but duty is duty and I must be getting on with things in a more official manner now. Of course you must. Thank you for your indulgence, Jones. Take the prisoner away, Sergeant. Hey, right, sir. Come on in, my lad. Ah, get your hands off me, I'm coming. Well, miss, gentlemen, a very good night to you. Mr Small. Miss Morstan. I'm very pleased that you did what you did. Thank you. There's much of your father in you. He was a good man. I'm glad you got the pearls. Thank you. When you wear them, remember the four. There's a light still on. Mrs Forrester has waited up for you. She can hardly be expecting the tale I have to tell. No. Miss Morstan? Yes, Dr. Watson? 
The last time we stood here together, there were many things I wanted to say to you, but could not. I knew you were troubled. I offered to help if I could. You cannot know how much that offer meant to me. Are you troubled still? No. No longer. Not since you opened the treasure chest and found it empty. There were two detectives in that room. But I'm sure that neither of them observed what I observed at that moment. They were concerned about the jewels. While I cared nothing for them. And so, only I heard you say, thank God. Why did you say that, Dr. Watson? I think you know why. I think I do, but I'd like to hear you say it. I said, thank God, because with the treasure lost, you were within my reach. Because at last I could tell you that I love you, Mary. I love you as truly as ever a man loved a woman. Then, my dear John, I say, thank God, too. Come in, Watson. I thought you'd gone to bed. Why on earth are you sitting in the dark? Oh. You delivered her safely home? Yes. Well, that's the end of our... Little drama. Hmm. I'm afraid. Are you? I'm afraid it may be the last chance I shall have to study your methods. Miss Morstan has done me the honour to accept me as a husband in perspective. Holmes? I feared as much. I really cannot congratulate you. Have you any reason to be dissatisfied with my choice? Oh, not at all. Well, then. Love. Love is an emotional thing, and whatever is emotional is opposed to true cold reason which you place above everything else of course <laughs> i should never marry myself i should like to see the woman who take you on lest i should bias my judgment i trust that my judgment may survive the ordeal <sighs> you look weary yeah the reaction He's already upon me. I shall be as limp as a rag for a week. Still, what a case for the annals, eh? The sign of the four. Another tale of mystery and romance from the colourful pen of John H. Watson. Starring the incomparable Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, what will you do? Going to practice? Yes, I suppose so. It'll seem strange. After this? Well, I wish you joy. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, now that it's all over, the division seems rather unfair. Jones gets all the credit in this business. I get a wife out of it. What remains for you? For me, there still remains the cocaine bottle. That was part two of The Sign of the Four by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, dramatised in two parts by Bert Coombs, with Clive Merrison as Sherlock Holmes and Michael Williams as Dr John Watson. Jonathan Small was played by Brian Blessed, Mary Morstan by Moya Leslie, Inspector Jones by Sean Probert, and Khan by Amajit Dew. Anna Cropper played Mrs Hudson, Alan Dean, Wiggins, Michael Kilgariff, Major Sholto, John Bull, Singh, John Moffat, Sherman, Elizabeth Mansfield, Mrs Forrester, and Vincent Brimble, Jacobson. Other parts were played by members of the cast. The violinist was Alexander Balanescu. The Sign of the Four was directed by Ian Cotterell, and the producer was David Johnston. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening. <laughs>